Good afternoon. You're on the panel. RNZ National Wallace Chapman here, Sam Johnson and Nikki Pellegrino with me. Uh, and if you haven't heard, uh, Auckland councillors have agreed uh, this afternoon on a budget that includes a selling a 7% shareholding in Auckland Airport of the 18%. Uh, that deal will see the council get a windfall of $865 million. That's intended to help pay down debt. So any selling of the airport shares is pretty controversial. Uh, but moving to the capital city for our first story and Wellington City Council, they're planning a pilot rental inspection service where tenants can get an official check on the quality of the accommodation. It would be a New Zealand first for a council to do this. The aim is to actually enforce the healthy home standards and help improve the quality of homes in Wellington, where many people report struggling to find quality homes. With us is Wellington City Councilor Tamitha Paul. Kia ora, Tamitha. Kia ora, how are you? Very, very good. So um, a pilot rental inspection at the moment if tenants are unhappy with their rental, feel it isn't up to scratch, they go to the Tenancy Tribunal. Why does the City Council want to get involved? Well, um, I think that, that, you know, there's no doubt that renting and, and the quality of rentals in Wellington specifically is a, um, a pretty universal experience for people, um, myself included, living in kind of dingy, mouldy flats. And so as a City Council... Um, you know, I think it would be easy to wipe our hands of this issue and say, look, that's um, a central government problem. But the reality is there are provisions within our legislative framework that say that councils have the power and actually have a duty to improve, promote and protect public health within its district. And um, we heard through the grapevine that Porirua City Council had actually used um, some of these powers under the Health Act to apprehend um crappy landlords um, who were providing subpar housing. And so this sparked a lot of interest. Renters United started a campaign last year and got candidates um, in the local body elections to sign up to this um, commitment. And um, and that was all about investigating how we can use those powers to um, incentivise and enforce the standards of housing that we want to see within our city. So we're the first to give it a crack. And um, I think it's going to have really massive benefits. Okay. There's no doubt that there's a lot of mouldy flats in Wellington. What would happen next if the property was deemed not suitable? What's the enforcement? Yes, yeah, so at the moment, um, the landlord will get slapped with a fine of $500 and $50 for every day um, following that, that the offence has continued, which is obviously not harsh enough to kind of encourage and promote the standards that we wish to see. Um and but but that's not a reason to not do it. So the council, I asked the council to go away and do some work looking into this healthy homes commitment. They came back and said, look, this is the penalty. It's really not worth our time. But I don't, I don't think that's a reason that we should kind of abdicate our responsibility and our duties under this legislation and our duty to the thousands of people that we. So it'd be more than five hundred dollars. Sorry, what's that? The fine. What would uh, if, if 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 you fail uh, a Wellington City Council rental inspection? What's the fine? Like I said, it, it was five hundred dollars and fifty dollars every day after. Um, but we want I we want to advocate for harsher penalties right. um, because that's clearly clearly not good enough. And these penalties were actually set. My understanding is they were set in mid nineteen seventy nine. 
So you can imagine what $500 was back then. So we need to kind of modernise um, those let's, penalties. Let's bring a panel in, Nikki Pellegrino. What, what do you make of this? Do you think this is a wise move, uh, getting the, the council involved, their own uh, rental inspection service? Is the problem that there's not enough rental properties or is it that the standard of the properties is just low, uniformly low? Both. Um, we need much more housing in Wellington, but it, but the quality of the housing too is um, atrocious, particularly um, in nightmare suburbs like Aro Valley, where you lose the sun really early and it just it's just a damp, mouldy hellhole, to be honest. So you kind of end up in this tricky spot where you want landlords to provide better housing, but if you if you keep slamming landlords, they just won't provide any housing at all. And how do you get through that? How do you incentivise people to improve yeah. their rental properties rather than just stop being landlords? Well, that's a, a really great question, and I'm a big supporter of the council and the government playing an active role in providing housing. Um, we've got, as, as part of our meeting yesterday, to go over this big housing action plan, we've committed to building a 1,000 affordable houses. We've built 200 of those so far, and that's for um, people to rent out within the inner city. So I think that... Um, public kind of agents and entities should be big providers. I'm also a big fan of public housing and building more of that. There's lots of development happening in Wellington right now with Kaing Order and um, with ourselves at the council. So I think that's got to be the answer. You look at any um, city like Vienna, for example, where they've got a really... Um, large offering of public housing, you, you see way less of these kinds of issues. OK, uh, Sam Johnson. Uh, hey, Tam, uh, congrats on raising the issue. It's, it's a hugely important one. One of the problems with the idea might be the number of government and public-owned uh, houses that aren't compliant themselves. That's the central Absolutely. stumbling block. Um, and and pe- perhaps when you're, um, if you do end up in Parliament next year, that will be it might be a better place to do it. But I think it's great that that, that you're pushing it forward anyway. Um, I'm interested if you know how what the impact of the healthy homes has had on the Wellington housing stock, um, because as uh, I've been filling in the healthy homes paperwork uh, in my day job uh, for a few rental properties, and it's extensive, and it is like it definitely yeah. makes think, and it goes through it. You've got to really write down the R value of every single room, and this is in a boarding house in Queenstown with a, a large number of people, and we're, we're taking it really seriously and going through it, and it's quite extensive. Yeah. Um, Now, that's a really good question. Thanks, Sam. So basically, um, one of the major benefits of this inspection service is it does give the tools to renters to be able to take up, um, to take action. So um, like you said, there's a whole bunch of paperwork. Um, If you're you're living in one of these damp, moldy flats and you want to take your landlord to the tenancy tribunal, um, it's really hard to to be able to get access to those inspection services and get professionals to come in and assess your um, home. So this is about adding to the toolkit. Um, and, and supplying more information to renters so that they can take action, but also getting a better understanding of the state of rentals in Wellington, what the quality oh. of, um, of those are, and also understand who the worst landlords are and begin holding them to account. I would like to know, I mean, I actually went on uh, Trade Me today and looked at a, some of the listings uh, on offer in Wellington, Wellington Central. Just a couple that was listed this afternoon. Uh, Mount Victoria, one bedroom, Perry Street, Mount Vic, Wellington, $580 per week. That's that's a one beddy there. You've got Tiaro, uh two bedrooms, $760 a week. These are pretty big prices by any standards, Tamitha. How do people af- <laughs> how, how do you f- how do people afford it? Well, well, absolutely, and that's what we've been dealing with for years now. And um, 
it's kind of become a bit of a joke. Like you look at Vic Deals, the local Facebook page, and you'll have people joking about renting out, you know, a little closet in their house for 350 bucks. So, um, and, and actually, landlords in Wellington do do that. They rent out sheds and literal closets to people. Um, so it's, you know, if you want to look at a case study for um, kind of um, what happens when you don't enforce good rental standards then look at you know look no further than wellington it's, it's it's really appalling and so i think the council has a real duty and an obligation to look at this because so many of um the people living in wellington are finding themselves in this situation and they pay rates too through their rent so they deserve to have their council representing them in one of the most biggest issues in the city finally tamantha you you're a renter yeah yeah yep yeah, i am in Ottawa valley which is literally the worst place to rent in wellington Gosh. All right, thanks for the time, Tamitha. Kia ora. Uh, that's Wellington City Councillor Tamitha Paul there. Um, that's big bucks there, Nikki. Um, you've got a one Betty for um, nudging 600 a week. It's huge. And I saw it. It was nothing to speak of. I don't think Wellington's alone, though, because Queenstown's having massive yes. problems. No, and I can't very imagine true. it's much fun trying to rent in Auckland either. Yep. Uh, 17 past four. Before we go on, can I just raise something with you, uh, Nikki Pellegrino, before we jump to our next topic? Um, a lot of people have thanked you for your honesty this afternoon on the panel. Uh, here's one. Thank goodness for women like Nikki promoting the rights of women in the public domain. My partner and I have also chosen not to have children. And my mother-in-law has told us both to our faces and to our friends that she thinks we're selfish. Yeah, see, it's, it's interesting uh, that attitude's still out there. We're even really selfish. On you for speaking up about yeah. it. So we're even selfish for not having pets. <laughs> and you came across what? that as well for, for when you decided not to have children. I actually had so much pressure from friends and family and all sorts of people in my thirties that I almost just gave in and had a baby just to kind of you know to get the pressure off. And it was a re- and it was a big decision. I spent a lot of time. Thinking about it, it wasn't an easy decision to make. But in the end, for me, it's I think it was the right one. Now, you know, now all my eggs have withered away and died. I don't regret having done it. But I do think it is really difficult for, for men and women when they're trying to make this decision to have this society. Well, thanks pressure. for being honest. I appreciate it. Wallace, the Gender Project are doing some great thinking on this, and I think it's really good to see that that's coming out. And particularly as we go into the election, they're doing some really good thinking on a feminist perspective on this, which is which we need to understand more and, and debate right. and discuss more. Right, 18 past four now. A petition was delivered to Parliament yesterday for New Zealand to stop sending plastic recycling to developing countries. Auckland-based lawyer Lydia Chai says that large amounts of our plastic waste are being illegally dumped or burned near her hometown in Malaysia. Now, that includes your plastic water bottle from Nelson, from Gore, from Torbay. In the last six years, New Zealand has exported more than 200 million kilograms of plastic waste. And with us is Lydia Chai, uh, a Malaysian lawyer based in Auckland, uh, presented, who presented the petition to the Parliament's Environment Committee. Kia ora, Lydia. Kia ora, Wallace, Nikki and Sam. Now, tell us more. So our waste is being dumped or burned near your hometown. So where is this? Uh, so my hometown is the state of uh, Selangor in Malaysia, and Selangor is a hotbed for the waste trade. So in that state alone, we've got 332 re- plastic recycling factories. Hang on. You've got, in that state, you've got 332 yep. recycling factories? Yep. 
332. And, and how does... They're not, they not uh, state-of-the-art kind of recycling factories, you know. It's uh, subpar practices going on. Uh, very few are well-managed, so it's a big, big problem. And that would include some of the plastic that we send over? Yep, New Zealand um, sends a lot of plastic waste. Now, I just want to say that New Zealand does process a lot of um, its plastics, so like pets and, um, uh, you know, the one, twos and five on your plastic bottles. But uh, we do send a huge amounts of plastic overseas. Um, and industry people would say that um, it's high-grade plastic. It's going to be processed and reused, repackaged. Um, is that that story sounds nice because it tells you a story of cir- the circular economy. But um, yesterday at my oral submission, I busted quite a few of those myths. Okay. Now, so uh, w- one of the reasons why we got you on, uh, Lydia, is because you don't often hear, you know, f- the voices from, uh, you know, I-, I guess other perspectives. Like, where is that? Where is our rubbish ending up and is ending up in your hometown? Interesting issue, isn't it, Nikki uh, Pellegrino, to, to think that, you know, when you throw away that takeaway cup or that plastic, sure, some of it is high-grade and able to be uh, reused, but a lot of it goes to the likes of this uh, state in Malaysia. The whole thing is really complicated because even the stuff we're being told is compostable isn't. You can't stick it in your compost bin. It will just shred up and form microplastics, and we don't have the composting facilities. So as consumers, what are we supposed to do? So much of what we buy is packaged in... in, We don't want it to go to Malaysia. I'm going to sign that petition. I think, you know, it's absolutely appalling that we're shipping off all our rubbish to some other country to deal with. But we don't have the facilities here. What is the answer? What can we do, Lydia? We can't do it here. So where's it going to go, if not Malaysia? Well... um... So first of all, Nikki, you've mentioned the consumer. I hesitate to place the burden on the consumer when you walk into a supermarket and most of the choices you have is plastic packaging. So um, I I hesitate to to place that burden, and I think we need systemic changes in place. Now, for, for the short term, if we don't export these things because there's significant underinvestment in local uh, infrastructure, we just have to landfill it. And to be honest, well, I have two things to say to that. If we can't deal with it locally, we're living beyond our means. So we've got to reduce our plastic consumption at the source. Um, and the second thing I want to say to that is, well, I'd rather landfill it in a well-managed landfill in New Zealand, such as in Cape Valley, that is sealed and monitored, than send it to a place where it's guaranteed to leach into the environment. Okay, Sam Johnson. Yeah, uh, thanks, Olivia, for the great petition. I I completely agree. I think we should be reducing our plastic waste and not exporting it like that. I'm interested if you know why it's being burned, because it would be, uh, ideally, it's being uh, exported to be recycled or upcycled or that sort of thing. So I'm interested if you know the answer to that question. Um, And also, I think it's important to make the point that this plastic waste will eventually be worth something. And there are companies now that are starting to dig up uh, basically whole rubbish dumps and you put it in this um, sort of big machine and it, and it turns it and captures all the gases that come out of it. Uh, the technology is still sort of 10 years away from being available, but New Zealand will absolutely have to invest in that. And uh, we should be um, looking at that very seriously. So finally, um, uh, Lydia, um, what would you like to see done? Would you like to see us ramping up 
onshore recycling um, facilities. If your state in Malaysia, your hometown, can have hundreds of recycling facilities in your region, maybe we can have a couple. Exactly. And, you know, the trend is that OECD countries who are supposedly wealthier are not investing in their local facilities and infrastructure. Why is that? Why is that? And why are they sending it to more vulnerable, poorer countries? And that's why I called it waste colonialism, which I hope uh, people learn about. Waste colonialism. I mean, we are doing stuff, though, aren't we? I mean, the next round of plastic phase-out, in fact, is actually coming up in a, in a few weeks from July 1. Plastic plates, bowls, cutlery, plastic straws, um, plastic produce labels, uh, non-compostable, that is, yeah. all phased out, all banned from July 1. Yeah. Things are happening here. Mm, they are, and I applaud the Ministry for the Environment for all these uh, plans that are coming uh, down the pipe. Uh, however, it's too slow. And the second thing I want to say is that in all of Ministry for the Environment's literature on all our plastics uh, uh, plans, we do not. There's no mention of plastics being exported and how we should reduce that because the ministry just took it for granted that we are doing this. This is a way for us to reduce our carbon footprint. We're relying on other countries to get rid of our pollution. Good to have you on the program, Lydia. Thanks for your time today. That's Lydia Chai, a Malaysian lawyer based in uh, Tamaki Makaurau, who presented the petition to the Parliament's Environment Committee. She's from Malaysia. So she's saying, hey, look, the rubbish that you produce today and tomorrow goes to her hometown, gets burnt there. It's so depressing, isn't it? I'm, I'm trying to shop and not buy plastic, but the, you just, you know, you would never be able to buy cheese or there's so Nothing. many Nothing. You can't buy a thing. It's so difficult. You can't buy a thing. 26 past four. Uh, now the time you've all been waiting for. But by the way, can I just, no, I'll read that feedback very, very soon, but I want to get to this. This is the moment. As, list, as listeners will know, office manager Pratik in... RNZ Auckland, has made appearances on the panel um, trying food that he has never had. First, it was the Fajoa, and he gave it a 9 out of 10. The next was passion fruit. He gave it a 3 out of 10. He added, he added the crunchy pips. And some of you emailed in asking, well, we'd love to know what Pratik thinks tastes better, Marmite or Vegemite? Welcome to the panel, Pratik. Kira Wallace, thanks for having me on again. <laughs> so I understand Vegemite is fermented Nutella. Is it? You From know, the looks of it. You know the line. We, oh. Now, disclaimer here, right? You've tasted both, but that's not what the listeners asked. They, the listeners are, wanted to ask, like, we love Pratik now. We want to know what he thinks tastes better, Vegemite or Marmite. So... We have in front of you two small pieces of toast, one with Marmite, the other Vegemite. You don't know which is which. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, take uh, a bite of one. All right, here we go. Okay, <gasps> plate one. Hey, Wallace, how, how, how yeah. thick is it spread? Can you describe it to us? That was an ongoing topic um, beforehand. They thought I'd spread it too thickly. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a thickish spread, isn't it, Nikki? It's a pretty thick spread, Sam. I'd have to say I would probably have 50% less Half of than just that. a small bite there. <laughs> small right. bite critique. So here's, Tiny bites. here's plate Looks one. Cool. 
Oh, it's tense. It's tense in the studio. Wow. I'm so sorry you've got a taste of Vegemite. That's quite, a, just... that's quite a small bite there. Taste one more bite of that there, Pratik. <laughs> All right. One more bite. Go on. Science been... does require sacrifice, Pratik. Okay. There you go. All mm. right. So that's plate one. Okay. Plate two. <laughs> do you need to cleanse your palate? I was just thinking that we don't have a glass of water. We should have gotten the sushi, sushi ginger yeah, packets. Look, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. All right. We used to have to do tablespoons of the stuff at university, Wallace. I mean, that might have been a wholly different challenge. Well, That's a very different people. challenge. Your education sounds terrible. Uh, okay, Sam. so plate yeah, one yeah. and plate two. What tastes better, plate one or plate two? I really hope people don't hate me for this because they taste exactly yeah, the same. <laughs> you really... <laughs> this... Protect, I'm, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try one again. Okay. Mm. Okay, that's the second plate. And the I, first plate. Yeah, I like the first one slightly okay, better. Okay, the first plate. The first plate's like, you know what that one is, Nikki and Sam? The first plate looks oh. like Vegemite to me. Vegemite one. Oh. oh, okay. Vegemite one. How do you feel? Um, I've heard I've heard all sorts of things. Apparently, it's highly controversial. And um, really? honestly, I would never try any of these ever again. <laughs> That's probably the correct answer. Well done. Pratik has spoken. He would never try Vegemite or Marmite again, but uh, he slightly preferred Vegemite around the panel. What do you prefer? I'm Team Vegemite. Um, because I moved here from the UK, I used to prefer English Marmite, and I knew I was a proper Kiwi when I went, Ew, that's horrible. Give me the Vegemite. Okay, yeah. Vegemite. Sam? Oh, I'm firm Marmite, and my older sister always had Vegemite, and we just never could understand. And it is just different taste buds, I think, because I just cannot stand Vegemite, and she couldn't stand. Okay, Marmite. well, I'm the opposite. I am Team Vegemite all the way, and very strongly. Vegemite. So that's three against one. So oh, we you didn't count a, me. Marama. Marama, jump in. Team Vegemite or Team Marmite? Team Marmite for me. Oh. Is it not a? Right. Oh. Hey, what did you say? Is Vegemite the New Zealand one? I always thought uh, Marmite was the New Zealand one. I think they're both New Zealand. No, oh, they are, right? right? Yeah. Okay, Marama. All right, your team, uh, your team Marmite. Team All right. Marmite, so we won. A, a snap panel poll results at five to five. <laughs> um, just an M or a V. Text me, two, one, zero, M, one. M, M, Text machine's going to explode. V. <laughs> V for Vegemite. Text me 2101. It is Pratik Kia ora. Thank you again. Thank you, There you go. You've laid to rest there. Vegemite wins.